All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 310, welcome back. Sports 1440. Orders Nation. YouTube and Facebook. As always, thanks for listening to The Gregor Show. PlayAlberta.ca is our... Uh, Title sponsor, of course, hey, you call the shots at the uh, parlay game now at playalberta.ca. You can sign up with the uh, code SPORTS50 and get a free $50 wager at playalberta.ca. Make it count. Make it count. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we got a lot of text to get to uh, coming up uh, later on uh, in this hour. We'll hear from uh, Paul Sir. We'll talk a little hoops. We got uh, Mike Rupp coming up in hour number f- three, four o'clock hour. And then uh, Speck and a Hall of Famer, Ken Hitchcock, will join us in the uh, final hour of the show today. The uh, text line, though, really good questions today. So uh, let's get. Hey, boys, uh, my buddy told me that the orders could trade Connor Brown's bonus. Is that true? Uh, it is not. Um, the uh, once he 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 made the bonus with the orders, he attained it with the orders. Ten game bonus. Now, if you have some bonuses that are based on the end of the year that you don't have to pay out until then, eh, maybe you could have done it, right? Like, let's say you have a bonus structure that uh, you needed 20 goals and you're at 16 at the time of the trade. Well, then that's different. Now you're trading the bonus. But uh, his bonus was based on playing a 10th game, which happened rather early in November. So, uh, no, Connor Brown, if you move him, you are freeing up uh, 775K in cap space. That's it. And uh, the 3.25 in bonuses will uh, count towards next year. Unless the orders find a way that uh, they don't use up all their cap space this year. Anything that they save this year can be used. Now, Corey Perry has 
225,000, uh, probably almost guaranteed in bonuses if he plays 10 games, which, bar an injury, well, he'll do. And then he has uh, another possible 100K bonus, 50 if the orders make it to the conference final and he plays 50% uh, percent of the games or 50% of the second round. And then he gets another 50K if they make it to the cup. And uh, he has played half the games between rounds one and three or half the games in round three. So that would be a max of 325 added on to the uh, 3.25 of Connor Brown. And uh, the orders are over 3.5 in bonuses carryover for uh, next year, potentially. They might be able to uh, skim some out depending on how uh, the rest of this year goes. But it's not uh, it's uh, it's not looking good. Uh, in that regard. All right. So uh, sorry about that. Hey, guys, uh, do you think the orders have zoned in on what they want at the deadline? Barring injuries, my prediction is that Depp D-Man is likely to be seventh and a middle six forward from PP. Uh, well, I think the orders are looking that they're aware of what they would like, but I don't think it's just two. I don't think they've said we only want a sixth or seventh defenseman and a middle six winger. Actually, and, and what's middle six mean? Like, do you think the order second and third lines should be in the same category? I don't. Let's, what are you talking about? Are you talking about a third line winger or are you talking about a top six winger? Like a second line winger. That's what they need. That, they would like a second line right winger. Warren Fogel's done an admirable job of filling in. And they will look and say, okay, hey, maybe we think he can do it. But he's never really been historically a proven goal scorer. He's had a good first half, yes. But he's never scored more than 13 goals before. So I don't think the orders have closed the door on a possibility if the deal is right to get a second line right winger. And uh, you know what? Uh, we talked about it on the show three weeks ago. Tyler Toffoli. And I, and I see a lot of other people now are, uh, are, are jumping on it, which makes sense. Like Tyler Toffoli's won Stanley Cups. He's a right shot. He has had multiple 24-goal seasons. He had one 34-goal season. He's already got 21 goals in 47 games this year. Like, that's the thing about Tyler Toffoli is yes, he's getting older, but think about it. Last year was his career high in goals with 34 points and, or 34 goals and 73 points. Now, the 73 points obviously was a, was a career high by a significant margin. I think his previous was 58, right? Now, he did have a... So he's had two 30-goal seasons, but it had been, what, eight years in between? But he's got 21 goals in 47 games this year. So he has yet to kind of, you know, slow down. He's got a Stanley Cup pedigree. Right? He won a cup with the uh, the Kings in 2014. So, yeah, I would have... Uh, and he went to a cup final with the Canadians in 22. Guy can score. And I said, if the orders... You know, if you do 50% retained by New Jersey, you know, that cuts him down to two mil. And if you can find another team at 25% of that, or sorry, that gets the other 50% again, which turns out to be 25 total of the original $4 million, then the orders only have a $1 million cap hit. And I used Ryan O'Reilly as the example. And Toronto had to give Minnesota a fourth rounder to take essentially 25% of his cap hit. Would you do it? Now, obviously, you got to give up something first. I'm talking that's the second part of the trade. So um, now, Noel Achari was also part of that deal. It wasn't just Ryan O'Reilly, so I should point that out too. So maybe it's maybe it's even lower. It's just one guy. We'll see. But Minnesota was just for the uh, um, for the money retained. 
So I don't, I don't mind Tyler Toffoli. So no, to answer your question, I do not think the orders have just locked in on two things. Um, cause you don't know. I think as Ken Holland told us last year, you don't know who's going to be available until someone all of a sudden tells you. Like, what if on March 1st, a player you didn't think was available is suddenly available? So, you know, you got to keep all of your options open. I think the orders are in a position to be patient. They also are in a position, like every other team, every day that you get closer to the to March 8th, it's less cap hit that you're taking on in the, in the trade. And that's what uh, really matters. Hey, guys, I really enjoyed your interview with Troy Loney. I uh, liked what he said about energy level. It's my biggest worry about the end of the order season, their ability to go deep from Klaus in, in Beaumont. Well, their goaltender won't be uh, overly taxed. And, yes, they're playing, t- they're playing two extra games in, in, uh, in an 18-day span. That's what it amounts to, right? If you look at Vegas and you look at Colorado and you look at all the other top teams, they're all playing eight games. Vancouver, eight games. Edmonton plays 10. So... And Edmonton, though, where they're lucky is they do have a lot of those games against bottom feeder teams. So maybe you don't have to exude as much energy like those teams will have nothing to play for. There's some guys, of course, you know, they're playing for their uh, contract. Maybe they're playing for pride, all that stuff. But it will be interesting to me if home ice advantage is on the line. And I think home ice advantage could be on the line, at least for second place. We'll have to see. There's lots of time between now and then. You know, can Edmonton close the gap even more with Vancouver? But I definitely think that home ice advantage should be in the conversation with Edmonton and Vegas. Now, you know what? If the orders keep rolling, then, hey, maybe it's it's locked in and they're like, hey, whatever. But if you only have a 21-man roster, can't really rest a lot of guys. All that can happen is you'll just play them but reduce their minutes. Hey, guys, uh, what about Jake DeBrusque out of Boston? Well, my question would be, why is Boston Bruins trading, trading Jake DeBrusque when they're leading the Eastern Conference. The only way they're trading Jake DeBrusque is if he's part of a trade where they think they're upgrading. I don't see the orders trading Zach Hyman for Jake DeBrusque. I don't don't see the orders trading Ryan Nugent Hopkins for Jake DeBrusque. So I don't see how uh, Jake DeBrusque fits. Or if the... uh, why Boston would, would have much. I get that he's a pen in UFA, but there's lots of pen in UFAs that, that don't get traded. You, you can't sign everybody during the season. And lots of teams, hey, sometimes you might just lose a guy in free agency. It happens. Hey, Gregor, uh, it's incorrect. Frank Saravalli said the orders could trade some of Brown's bonus from Jay. Jay, I encourage you. I work with Frank. Frank and I had the conversation. I encourage you to watch his recent post. I'm telling you 100%, if you trade Connor Brown, it does not include his bonus. It's it's untradeable. It's already being paid. Okay? I'm telling you, that's 100% fact. Um, you can even read, uh, you can go watch Frank. Uh, I think they just put a post on it, but uh, yes. Because I saw him make that post and we had a conversation. Said, man, I've been asked about that uh, for a long time. And uh, no, it's not traded. Uh, it's not tradable because it's already being paid out. Right. As I mentioned, a bonus that hasn't been obtained yet or it's getting paid at the end of a season. If you trade that player at the deadline, then yes, it could be. But uh, that's not the case with uh, Connor Brown. Hey, guys, if the orders are looking to free up cap space, uh, what about Kulak? He's really not on the PK right now. What about moving him out to create cap room and bring up Broberg from uh, Ryan in Fort Saskatchewan? I understand the theory behind that. 
But here, here's my question that I would counter. So if you're the GM, because I always try to put myself in the shoes of if I'm a general manager and my job's on the line, do I want to trade away a player who, by the way, has been very consistent for the last two playoffs, is not showing any signs of aging, he's not slowing down, none of that. Two playoffs in a row, the most important time of the year, Brett Kulak has played exceptionally well, especially in the role you're putting him in. I'm not asking Brett Kulak to be my top pair defenseman. He's my third pair defenseman. And even a few years ago, he played kind of, if you look at his minutes, it was kind of like a low-end second pair minutes. And he did very well, him and Tyson Berry. So I'm going to trade away Kulak. I'm going to bring in Broberg. And by the way, I've always been high in Broberg. I'm one who said, hey, you know what? I, I, people wanted to call him a bust. I said, nah, pump the brakes. I still think it's pretty early. We haven't seen him play a lot of games. But do I want to bring in Phil Broberg for Kulak down the stretch and into the playoffs? The only way I think I do it is if I'm making a trade where I need to shed the salary of Kulak to bring in a really good player to another position. And I think that, okay, I might lose experience here in Broberg, but the other piece I'm bringing in is significantly better than what I had there. And so I'm willing to do it. That's the only way I would contemplate that trade. I, uh, I think in the summertime, and it's, you know, it's probably sucks for Kulak and his family because they're from here. But I do think the orders are going to want to make room for Phil Broberg in the summer. Now, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe they win and they're like, guess what? We're going to go for it again and we'll just trade Philip Broberg. Who knows? But I, th- you know, my gut would tell me that they would be looking to uh, have Phil Broberg be their third pair left defenseman next season. Because Matthias Ekholm is getting older. I'm not sure when he's going to slow down, but he is. So, you know, if you could have where all of a sudden maybe there are two ships passing during a season, all of a sudden, you know, in a year or two, their, their minutes are closer, well, that's good. So I, I wouldn't just get rid of Kulak because I like Broberg. Not now. Because you're, you're, the orders are close. I'm trying to think of teams that Vegas trade off a veteran defenseman to bring in a young guy. Did Colorado trade a veteran defenseman to bring a young guy? Did Tampa Bay? Did St. Louis? Can anybody name the last Stanley Cup winning team? And that's the order's goal that made that sort of move. I don't see it. So I wouldn't do it. Lots more texts. I appreciate them. 833-401-1440. Quick break. Uh, we'll return. We're going to talk a little. Uh, man, he is one of the best players in the world, residing from Canada. We'll talk about it next on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Three twenty-seven. Welcome back, Jason Gregor. Connor Halley with you on uh, Sports fourteen forty and Orders Nation uh, YouTube and uh, Facebook. And uh, I know I ordered. We got a text, guys. When do the orders play? Well, they play next Tuesday. Don't worry. Hey, guess what? The week, it's hump day. You're almost, you're almost uh, 60% of the way done. Then you got the weekend, and then you get back. Then there's the all-star game. There's the draft Thursday. That'll whet your appetite a bit. Then there's a the skills competition, which I think many fans will be watching on Friday night. You got the game, and hey, if you watch it, awesome. Your kids probably will love it. Great. And then uh, the NHL resumes next Monday. Few games on Monday, but then the orders play a heavy slate of teams next Tuesday, where the orders could tie the NHL record. Uh, I will say this: I think amongst Oilers fans, it will be one of the most watched games of the regular season, without question. A, you've had time off. 
But B, it's for an NHL record, and it's against the defending champs. There's lots of reasons, as that is what they'd like to call a tune-in television. Don't you think? I would, uh, I would definitely like to think so. So that'll happen uh, next Tuesday. Let's get to the uh, NBA report, uh, basketball report now brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home to no interest, no payments for one full year on your furnace. Or I know it's so nice outside, you're even starting to think about your AC unit. Do it now at LegacyHeating.ca as uh, Paul Sir, host of the uh, basketball show, which... Uh, Debuts Saturday, February 10th here on Sports 1440. And uh, Paul, uh, Shy Gilgus Alexander. Well, like, you know, Joey Votto, I thought for years, is kind of maybe an underappreciated Canadian superstar athlete. Uh, he was dynamite uh, in the MLB and maybe didn't get talked about a lot uh, the last few years, more so. But Shy Gilgus Alexander, he's starting in the in the All-Star game. And their All-Star game is like legit stars that are in the All-Star game. And he is more than worthy of uh, being a starter. Like this guy, you know, like Steve Nash, I know it's going to be hard because he had back-to-back MVP. But the way his career is projecting right now, Shai Gilgis Alexander, when it's all said and done, might be the greatest Canadian basketball player we've ever seen. Certainly, if he continues on the tear like this uh, that he, that he's on this season and and last season, it's really a carryover from last season. But you're you're absolutely right. Like this guy is legit. He is phenomenal. The, uh, there's nobody better in the in the backcourt than Shai Gil- Gilgis Alexander this year. He should be right in the thick of any discussion on MVP. And while he may not be the favorite, he certainly deserves a look and phenomenal deserves to be a starting uh, starting guard in the all-star game for sure. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, he's uh, and man. He is a heck of a player. What impresses you most about his game? What impresses me the most about his game is that he is not an analytics uh lap dog he does what he wants to do to be effective he has mastered the mid-range game which is talked about often but honestly his ability to pull up his ability to shoot the uh to shoot the floater as well as he's a legit three-point shooter he is strong to the basket he he really he really has a well-rounded all-around game jason and he can beat you any way, anywhere. He takes what the defense gives him. And I think that's his greatest gift is his ability to read the defender and have all the tools in his toolbox to take his defender apart. So whatever he they give him, he's going to take. Um, let's move to the L.A. Lakers and uh, the, the, crypt, the cryptic. Yeah, the, the cryptic. <laughs> tweet from uh, LeBron James. He tweeted out after the most recent loss, the hourglass. And everybody knows what the hourglass symbolizes, right? Uh, there's, so much, there's only so much time. Um, you know, LeBron James obviously wants to win. He's competitive. He still plays. He's still a very good player. I don't think there's any question that. We can talk about if he's high maintenance or not. Uh, you know, there's a fair conversation there. But when you look at the Raptors, uh, sorry, the Raptors, the Lakers, Paul, and, and you see where they are. They're going nowhere, right? Uh, like they're in ninth place. Like could they could they get the uh, the nine or ten spot? Yeah, they they could do that. But you know they're they're already five and a half games out of eighth place, right? So they could do the play in at best, and uh, you know start on the road is what they're looking at. Do you think the Lakers would move LeBron? And when you consider the cap hits and numbers, which which teams would be realistic, and how much of a game changer would it be if suddenly LeBron James? 
is on the move at the deadline. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You uh, you didn't mess around on that one, Jason, because uh, how do you trade for LeBron James at this stage of his career? The man's uh, approaching 40,000 points, uh, you know, a heretofore never achieved level of scoring. I know he's impatient, but Le- LeBron probably should have a bit of a look in the mirror about being impatient for this roster that he is to a large extent responsible for. So, I, I, I mean, certainly somebody would try to put a package together to get LeBron James, especially a playoff contender, even at this stage of his career, because we're talking about a guy who's still top 15 in the league. So I think that uh, it would be intriguing to see anybody take a run at LeBron James. But on the flip side, if LeBron's main priority is to finish his career, hopefully with his son on the same NBA team, wouldn't it make the most sense that that would be the Lakers? So what you're talking about isn't inconceivable, but I just, I, I it, it blows my mind to think of what kind of package would have to be put together to get LeBron James in a trade. Oh God! It would, but it's interesting, man. I saw it pop up the other day, and I was like, Phew. "Like LeBron can still play. I don't think anyone can debate that, right?" And I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's sick of losing. Uh, their team isn't very good. But here's my question, Paul. I, I look and I say, "Okay, are the Lakers losing because they don't have any talent, or are they losing because they just, you know, LeBron and AD want everything to go through them?" I think it's a combination of both. To be honest. Uh, LeBron and AD do want the ball uh, going through their hands. Their numbers when AD is healthy indicate that that is being accomplished. But I don't think that LeBron uh, is surrounded, while he's not surrounded by great talent, they were winning for a while. So what's changed? Is it the motivation? Is it a poisoned locker room? Like when I watch them play, I I do not see an enthusiastic team that loves that that where the players love each other. There's obviously a disconnect there as the coach lost the locker room. You start asking those questions and this is an awful way to put it. But whenever you have D'Angelo Russell scoring a lot for your team, you're in trouble. (laughs) And that's what's going on right now. Everywhere D'Angelo plays, if he's scoring a lot, that means the rest of the team isn't playing well. So I, uh, I I just think that the Lakers aren't that good, and I think they're getting worse. I think LeBron is impatient. But you know what? That's the deal. Uh, that, that's the deal in the NBA. We all know just from our long-suffering Raptors since their championship, it's hard to stay on the top. It's hard to be one of the best. And while you may have two of the better players in the NBA, they're not the best players in the NBA. And some of these young teams are really good, and they've gotten so much better over the last two years. And the Lakers really haven't. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I was just curious uh, what your thoughts were on, you know, uh, uh, you know how that would possibly uh, really change things. Because if a team could add LeBron, uh, I think there's no question that would make uh, a team a little bit better. Um, no question. What do you make of the Bucks move and uh, Doc Rivers? As the new coach, it is um, Sports Illustrated, the now defunct Sports Illustrated. They used to have a column every week called The Signs That the Apocalypse Are Upon Us. And I think that's what I would relate to Doc Rivers. How do you fire a guy who's lost 13 games yeah. with a winning percentage like that and put in Doc Rivers, who, aside from 
The Boston Celtics in 2008 has had a lot of underachieving teams in both uh, with both the L.A. Clippers and the Philadelphia 76ers. So he's experienced. He's you know he's a good coach. Yeah. Obviously, the other coach lost the locker room. But again, how do you fire a guy like that? How do you lose a locker room when you have a team that that's that good? Now, I've always thought Antetokounmpo was a great locker room guy. Yeah. You don't know. And right now you'd say, well, maybe he isn't because he certainly had an awful lot to do with their coach being fired and bringing Rivers in. So I don't know. The debut is less than impressive, but there's a long way to go the rest of the season. You know, that that's one of the stranger ones, though. How do you fire a guy that's really doing well? But the Bucks did it, and I'm sure it was to appease their superstar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting move to me for sure. Like now I did see their points against and it was brutal at 120. So I, I don't know, maybe there maybe there was some weakness in their defensive structure. Maybe. Like, yeah, maybe. Right. right. So I, I guess, when, you know, when I looked at that number, I was like, ooh, 120 points against uh, average per game. You're not winning a lot. Even though they're winning a lot of games, but eventually you're not going to win uh, like that. Uh, the Knicks and the Raptors, uh, they made the big deal. Uh, what do you think of both teams since the trade? I think it's I, th- I think it's a huge win for New York and an okay trade for the Raptors. I You know, maybe a little better than okay because now with Quickly and RJ out, uh, you're seeing some of the younger younger Raptors players stepping up. And in the last two games against Atlanta and Chicago, two doormat teams in the Eastern Conference, which is the weaker of the two. But still, you saw some sparks of hope from some of their bench players. Uh, Noir last night had a really nice game offensively against the Bulls. Grady Dick actually was in double figures the other night and looked like an NBA player for a while. So signs of hope. Uh, and now when they get quickly and RJ back, and certainly Pirtle, who they're, I think, 1-11 now since he's been out. Who would have thought that? But, I mean, RJ's showing he's a, he's a good offensive player. Quickly he's good. Now you go to the Knicks, you know, it's kind of like the, the Bronx Bombers. You, kind of, you, you really hit the home run here. Uh, Precious Achawa, who did virtually nothing in Toronto, looks like a really good rotation player right now. And uh, everybody, everybody loves Ananobi. And, and what's not to love? Lockdown defender hitting the three. He really seems to be jiving in their system. Seems to be pairing off well with Brunson, who is underrated. My gosh, that guy is good. And then, of course, uh, Randall, who's also very good. So home run for the Knicks, uh, I'd say a single to a double for the Raptors. And uh, one last one for you. When you look at um, you know this season, um, you know we've talked about power rankings of the teams that are good, but uh, uh, give me your thoughts on Curry versus Iescu. Uh, uh, you know, how do I enunciate his name? Uh, Iescu. Yes. Well, I. You know what? She very well could beat Steph Curry. Uh, she had thirty-seven in the three-point shootout last year. Nobody's even come close to that. When you look back at the early days of the uh, the shootout, Larry Bird won it with 19. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, she can flat out shoot with anybody. But what I love about it is they're taking the two best shooters of all time in their two particular leagues, and they're pairing them up against each other. So don't go away from it. Run to it. And, I mean, we've seen enough slam dunk competitions. We've seen enough three-point uh, three competitions. Why not this? I think this is a great. I think this is a great one. 
Uh, it will be. Uh, it'll be interesting to to watch for sure. Uh, Paul, we appreciate it. We look forward to the debut. Uh, basically, in uh, eleven days from today, on uh, February tenth, on Sports fourteen forty. What time are you uh, kicking off your inaugural show here on Sports fourteen forty? Ten a.m. to noon. Ten a.m. Really fired up to noon. Wow, we look. Yeah, do you have a, a first guest lined up yet? You're gonna wait. Oh, I can't. I can't reveal that. Can't reveal it. But All why right. don't we do that next week? Okay. Well, we'll do that next All week. Right. I like it. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate your time. All right, Jason. Thanks. Yeah, you know, that's uh, Paul, sir. Host of the basketball show. Of course, a long time on uh, 1260 and now is uh, debuting here this, or not this Saturday, the coming Saturday, the 10th of February. 10 till noon for all of you uh, B-ballers. I know there's a huge basketball community out there. They love it. Uh, um, you know, you had uh, uh, Declan uh, does a lot of basketball. We do a lot of basketball. It's great. I think there's lots of basketball fans out there, which is uh, fantastic. We got lots of man. I'm trying to catch up. We got so many texts. We'll try to get to more of them uh, the next segment. 833-401-1440. It is the Jason Greger show. Lots of questions. People are fired up. Um, you know, talking about other players, uh, the Edmonton orders. Uh, I did crunch some numbers for any of you who are tired of hearing people trying to downplay success of a team when they're winning. I recommend you go read my article today at OrdersNation.com. Did the Oilers have a favorable schedule? Without question. But they took advantage of it. Lots of teams have favorable matchups. They don't win. Right? The dumbest, most inane, most inaccurate argument is, the owner's winning streak isn't good because they have nine out of 16 games against weak teams. Oh, yeah? Go look and tell me which team right now who's a top team, any team in the league, who won nine straight against bottom feeders. Go look it up. Let me know. I can tell you the answer. One. That's it. The team that's currently won 16 in a row. We'll return on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Oh, man, I like that song. Get you fired up automatically. Just sitting here calm all of a sudden. It's like I wish I had long hair. A little uh, head banging, you know. Doesn't really work when you shaved head. It just doesn't look as cool. For those uh, with the long locks. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just how it goes. So. Hey guys, I have to say uh, analytics lapdog. That's my new favorite expression. <laughs> 
Yeah, now he was talking about basketball because they're saying the way that Shy Gilgis Alexander plays is not how you should play in the NBA. Right? Because well, the mid range shot, the odds will tell you it's not good. Well, clearly he's telling you that uh, he's been showing people that that's not the case. If you can make them, it works just fine. And uh, not just for him, but uh, for his team. So it's uh, interesting. Hey, boys, uh, any word on what the uh, ask would be for Nick Dowd from uh, Washington, from uh, Geo? Good question, Geo. You kind of look at the history of, of trades like that, right? Like, I don't see, but here's the thing. Remember when, and I don't know if some of you remember, remember when Paul Gostad got dealt and they gave up a first rounder for him. Now, Paul Goss said he was a good player, big body, everything like that. But come on. Right. That was that was an, an interesting deal. He would because it all depends if a team really wants a player. And it was Buffalo traded him to Nashville and Nashville was really high on him. Right. And uh, they, they now he ended up finishing his career in Nashville. I think he played five seasons there. But now I have to look it up. But if my memory is correct, he didn't score one goal in Nashville down the stretch that year when they acquired him at the deadline. 14 games. Uh, now, he was not a big scorer anyway. I just thought that was a... That, there was an organization who... like I just, I'm like, really? Was there that much demand for Paul Gostad that you had to give up a first? Uh, I think teams have, have been a little... have become a little bit more protective of just giving away first round. Even a late, hey, you give up a 24th, 25th pick. If you have a good scouting staff, your scouts are like, what are you talking about? We're giving up for this guy. Like Paul Gossett was a 10-year NHL or really good. But at best, he was a third-line player. Right? Your scouts will tell you, man, we might not hit a, a first-line player, but we should be able to get a decent player in the, in the late 20s. Now, they don't all work out. 100% they don't. So... Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't know, like, would second rounder? Right? That might be my, it all depends how many teams are in on it. Right? And, and Washington, you know, do they want picks? Do they want a young prospect? Right? And so that's how you value. Do you value a second round draft pick in 2024 or a player who might have been a lower draft pick but is now developed and is in the minors and is 21 in an organization? They say, well, wait, maybe we'd rather have that guy. Because we, our scouts and your pro scouts will be able to tell you they're watching the American League. So it's a good question. But I, I don't think that, you know, they're not going to tell you, hey, this is what we're asking for. Because everybody's always going to ask for more. Hey, Nick Dowd, he's worth the first rounder. Paul Gostad got a first rounder. So I don't, uh, I don't know if we can, uh, if we can really uh, say that or, uh, or not, uh, that there's um, a definite on uh, what it's going to cost. Right? I don't see it. Hey, Gregor, uh, would you look at Tarasenko from Vinny? Ooh. Now, Tarasenko is we making five bill. So it's a good question, man. God, like, I really liked him in St. Louis, right? Like I liked him. He was good in St. Louis. Like that guy can shoot the puck. There is no doubt in my mind. Like he was a perennial 40 goal guy for many years. He's never had an elite center. He's had good centers. Um, you know, last year, yeah, 18 goals in 69 games, 50 points, still 50 point player in only 69 games, right? This year he's, he's on pace for what? About uh, 55 points again, give or take around 23, 24 goals with Ottawa. Um, now they got a lot of offense around him in Ottawa. I, uh, 
I consider now the, the only thing now I know he likes to play right wing is a left shot. So, which is fine. A lot of Euros, they're more comfortable playing, you know, they're, they're, when you're a left shot as a right winger, your stick's in the middle of the ice more, right? But there's a little challenge defensively. So I, it's a good question. I'd have to dig into some, some numbers on, you know, how is he, you know, not that defensively is going to be the main reason why I'm getting Tarasenko. So I consider it just because A's won a cup. B, the guy has a track record. What has he got? Six 30 goal seasons, I think it is. Like that guy can score. I don't think there's any debate about that. He can score. Um, he's, he, he hasn't been my problem is, although he did score 35 the one year out of it, but you know, his last few years, he went from 34 to 18. Now this year he'll get back up to 21. So I'm not getting, I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not sure I'm getting the 30 goal Tarasenko. But even if I get a 20 goal Tarasenko, is that an upgrade on Warren Fogel? And then I push Fogel down. Ooh, it makes my team better. But at what cost? Right? So, because if he's five and a half, so it's 1.25, even if you have two teams involved. Uh, I would, I got to talk to some scouts on him, to be honest. I Honestly, Vinny, I haven't even looked really at uh, Tarasenko. He's, he's one of the guys I haven't talked about to, to scouts. I don't watch Ottawa enough to have an informed opinion. I can look at the stats. I can look at all the analytics, but they don't tell you everything. Right? Far from it, to be honest. The public available ones, there's, there's a lot of different ones. Hey, boys, does anybody know that uh, Yanmark has not been on the ice for a goal again since December from uh, Aaron? Aaron, we talked about this last week, 100%. You, um, I know some people are down on Yanmark because of his goal production, but I'm like, okay, think about this. Here's a player who doesn't have a goal, not a lot of points, but he's still like plus six, five on five. It's because he didn't get scored on. And, and I always say this to fans. Tell me the last time you can remember Matthias Janmark making the wrong decision with the puck. Especially in the defensive zone. Now, he's not going to score a lot, right? He's actually had some chances lately. You know, he's not a great finisher. I think he's a good skater. Probably better than I thought when they signed him. He's a really good penalty killer. And the thing I like about Janmark, like he's strong. How many, he doesn't rarely get knocked off the puck. And if he does lose a battle, it's rarely like a clean loss. So, we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. But I'm not. Uh, um, I don't know. You know, there's lots of other names we've had of guys available, like Alex Tuck. I don't see Buffalo trading him, right? Uh, many of you, uh, you know, asked about Alex Tuck, and I get it. You know, as we saw with Ekholm, your your trades don't always have to be guys who are just UFAs. And and Ken Holland's even said, I don't think Ken Holland's is a believer of wanting to trade away a first rounder for a pure rental. He gave up a first-rounder and a former first-rounder, albeit the last pick in the first round, in Reed Schaefer, for Matthias Ekholm because he knew he was going to get him for three years. So you're willing to do that. To to give up a first-rounder for a guy who's going to play, I I haven't even counted the games, but let's say the Oilers have, what, 21 games after March 7th? Maybe more because they got 10 in April. So maybe it's whatever it is. 22 games and then your playoffs now if you win someone will say okay it's worth it but as we all know really good teams don't win if i'm giving up a first i would prefer a guy with term in an ideal world if, if i'm the empton owners so uh you know any of the other guys you'd look at like am i giving up a first for Toffoli? 
not uh, not one for me. So, hey guys, one of the interesting, fascinating things about the way the order season has gone is how it's changed the urgency. I'd say early on, it was the urgency was super short. We need to start winning, get in, but uh, and had to make big moves. Now. Nothing seems that urgent from Cody. Well, I will give Ken Holland credit because think about how many of you were screaming, oh, they got to move, make major trades. God, they needed a goaltender yesterday. Heck, people still thought that in, in three weeks ago. We're still clamoring for a goaltender in Edmonton. Yes, it's quieted down a lot. Um. Winning does that, but it's it's not just winning. It's how they're winning, to me, that's the most impressive. And I think that's important to point out. Penalty kill, elite. Power play, elite. Five-on-five scoring, elite. Five-on-five defending, elite. Goaltending, elite. So, like, there's no real obvious weakness right now. I still believe they would like a better shooter on their second line. I like Warren Fogle a lot, but... He has never proven he can be uh, a big finisher, right? Like there was, and it's funny, there was media all over claiming all the orders are done. They're not very good. And I remember having, you know, people, oh, Gregor, you're a homer, which I always laugh. I'm like, people only ever accuse you of a homer when you try to have a sane, rational take. Right? I'm far from homer. When the orders sucked, I had no problem saying they suck. When they're good, I say they're good because that's my evaluation. Simple. Right? Thought the orders were good last year. The problem was they still were Santa Claus. And they were really Santa Claus this year. St. Nick has left his team. And if he's left it for good, because what did I say? And I said, I'm not really ever going to discuss the orders being good until they go two months of playing very well. Well, they've stretched it over two months now. And they've won in a way that you can look and say, this is sustainable. They don't have a ridiculous shooting percentage. They don't have their goaltender having a stand on his head. Like there's some games your goalie steals you a win like Vasilevsky does, you know, like every goaltender does on lots of teams. Maybe the Colorado Avalanche would be the one playoff team who won a cup that you could say, man, eh, goalie didn't really steal us a game. But Aiden Hill played great in some games for Vegas last year. Vasilevsky, we know it. Binnington, yes. Holtby, yes. Matt Murray, Yes. Jonathan Quick, for sure. Right? Corey Crawford, go down the list, right? It happens. So the orders have had Stuart Skinner steal them some games. They've had Connor McDavid dominate games. They had Leon Dreisaitl dominate games. Heck, they've had Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogle. Like, Warren Fogle still, I think, has, has the most five on five points. Although McDavid might have passed him last game now. Um, either way. Now, that's the one thing. And when I say, do I think Warren Fogle can maintain that pace five on five? I do not. Heck, most star players can't be a pointing game guy five on five for an extended period of time. So that's the one position where I'm like, if I could find someone with a more proven track record, and I'm not saying I'm moving out Fogle to do it. If that means I bump Fogle down to my third line, God, I really like my third line a lot. I like everything about how Warren Fogle plays. We saw it last year in the playoffs. When you're using Warren Fogle, it's clear the, co- the, the coach has confidence in the player, which gives the player more confidence in himself. He's used on the penalty kill, which he did in Carolina and was very good at it. Right? Like I've never understood organizations. You acquire a player because he did a lot of things. And then when you acquire him, your coach doesn't play him the things that he was good at. I'm like, what? Why? Like, what player do you think you acquired? Doesn't make sense to me. So... 
I think Knobloch and you know has Fogel. He's got some confidence. The coach has confidence in him. It's helped. But man, if he goes on your third line, does anybody not like the Oilers' third line? Then I think it's pretty good. And then they got Corey Perry. You know, D- does he go on your third line some games? You know, does maybe 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 Holloway becomes your fourth line center and Warren Fogel's your third line left winger and Corey Perry's your third line right winger. I know that Chris Knobloch talked about that Warren Fogle, they found with the, the data and the numbers that he's more productive when he plays the right side. And when you think about it, he's a left-hand shot, pucks in the middle of the ice more. So it's uh, it's good, man. Hey, guys, is it just me or is the, um, the Oilers defensive game boiled down to Paul Coffey? Because goals against has been their Achilles heel for years. I'm loving it from Jag. Well, I... Actually, I don't think so. I, I think it's a, it's a major factor. But if you listen to Matthias Ekholm, he says, our defensive structure that Dave Manson really hammered home with us, be hard on pucks, be aggressive, that's still in play. What Coffee's added is they're not just giving pucks away now. Right? If, if you're in trouble, f- flush it out. Paul Coffey's like, no, 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 no. You're an NHL defenseman. You're amongst the best players in the world. We want make plays. Now, you can't make a pass on the tape every time. It's impossible. But if you're doing it, heck, if you go from 60% to 74%, well, that's a pretty big jump, right? And that's what we've seen from the Oilers, the entire team. Like, I'm trying to think the last time the Edmonton Oilers, like, how often do you see them just flip the puck out of their own zone? I'm sure it's happened. But remember early in the year, my God, it happened like every second shift. So I, I think it's not so much their defensive game is better. They're... Their decisions with the puck are better, which allows them to have to defend less. And that clearly has worked out. Uh, Coming up, we will uh, hear from Mike Rupp, NHL Network. We got uh, Hall of Famer Ken Hitchcock joining us. Speck and more on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Let's get to the comments. Sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Your place, you need tires changed? They can do it. But you got some mechanical issues on your car? Well, guess what? They can do that, too. Book it today at FountainTire.com.